Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. In southern Georgia, and he and my dad knew each other well, and he came over on Sunday afternoons and talked with a bunch of us boys. It started out as lads to leaders, only the guys. Before long, it became lads to leaders and leaderettes. And it just stuck with lads to leaders. But he, is, he was a tremendous man, very uh, bold, always wore a flashy red coat at conventions and around lads to leaders stuff. I just wanted you to know about that. So um, great family, and uh, I think it does good to be reminded of him. The other thing is much lighter. I was impressed. Last Sunday, we spent the entire day talking about fruit, if you remember. And I happened to mention that I love cuties. And I found a bag of those in my office. Been eating on them all week. I have no idea who brought them. But I soon want to preach a lesson using not fruit as the image, but golf. <laughs> and it will be biblical because Paul said, I have finished the course. And at that point, I will be glad to mention to you what my favorite driver is. And Monday I'll look in my office. So, if that's the pattern, then I'm going to keep it going. That's what my intention is to do. <laughs> okay. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. That's where we're going to be. We're going to do something a little different, at least different than I've ever done before in noticing text. We talked this morning how that Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. I want to use that idea for us as people of God, this church, for the Richmond church, uh, an evaluation and a reminder for ourselves. With that attitude of seek and save the lost, we also need to employ the concept that says, how do we keep the saved from being lost? And I think that's very important. Now we think about evangelism and the first thing we think about and maybe the only thing we think about is finding people who don't know Jesus and tell them about Him. And that's what we call evangelism. Well, I, it is. That is evangelism. The word evangelism simply means the good news. But there is good news not only for those who don't know Jesus, but there is good news for those who do know Jesus. And while we are trying to help those who don't know Him to come to a relationship with Him, to get to know Him, it is just as important that we remind each other of the good news. Because we don't want the saved to be lost. The statement has been, it is not good enough 
to get people in the front door if you're constantly losing them out the back door. We have to keep the saved from being lost. So what I want to do quickly is to notice this text from us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I want to think about it in a little bit of a different way. Paul formed the church or helped form the church in Thessalonica in Acts chapter 17 on his second missionary journey when he came there. The church was established. There were Jews as well as Greeks involved in that establishment of that local congregation. When Paul was writing then to the church in Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I'm thinking about what text can I use to say God wants us to keep the saved from being lost? What can I look at? And I thought about this passage because if you look at it this way, not just what did he say, but what was the reason for saying what he said. Why did he say it? What's going on in the background? Well, the formula for this is to notice what he said. Notice what's going on as a temptation that would cause someone to be lost who is saved. And what does God say we can do, hopefully, to prevent those things from happening? So we're going to look behind each thing that Paul said to understand how we can keep the saved from being lost. So just walk with me. Number one, warn those who are unruly. Now, the point of this is to see that inside every congregation, there are, I keep doing little rabbit trails for a moment, but you know when I was studying preaching, one of the things they said was, if you have more than four points, don't tell them how many you have. That's what they said, because people just go, well, see, I blew that out of the water a long time ago because when you give an outline, they know. See? And if you haven't counted them yet, there are 13 points in this lesson. There goes Jack right there. <sighs> <laughs> These 13 things represent what every congregation faces with the saved. Here are the things that every one of us, if we're not careful, could be tempted by at least one or two of these to be pulled away from being the saved to being the lost. And then Paul is saying, since these are there, you need to watch them, fix them. Number one, warn the unruly. The word unruly here means chaos. It means to be out of line, out of step, not in order. Things are messed up. What is he saying? I think he is saying. When he says, warn the unruly, he's saying every congregation has a potential of having people who are out of step, who are contributing to disunity, not unity. 
creating problems. And he says, you better warn them. So what is it that God says can prevent that? In most of these, I want to go back to what Paul said in Acts 20, or I want to go back to Acts 2 and notice some things. One of them is in Acts 20, he said to those elders when he met them, he said, you shepherd the flock that is among you. Take the oversight of it. The cure, the prevention. For those tempted to have chaos and disorder is for a congregation under its shepherds to have a well-defined, organized, clear structure and mission that everybody knows and we don't have to wonder. We've had a lot of new people coming lately. And I've had a chance to meet with many of them. And every new person who comes, I like to go and see and I tell them this. You may hear a lot of things that you may not understand. You might hear some things you may not agree with. You don't have to wipe your mind and just adopt everything we tell you. But here's how things are going to be. Ask questions. Try to understand. But you're not allowed to create trouble. Because this is our organization. This is our structure. These shepherds lead in this way. Spend time talking, asking. But don't cause trouble. That's what Paul is saying. You want to keep the saved from being lost? You warn people for themselves, don't you cause chaos. But for the church, don't you cause chaos. Number two, comfort the faint-hearted. This word faint-hearted means to have a less than healthy opinion of yourself. That's what it means. These are people whose assessment of themselves is not good because they're constantly beating on themselves. Here is what the devil's point of attack. Each of these things represents a point of attack that the devil can use to get into the saved as individuals or as a group of people. To have a low opinion of yourself spiritually, knowing that you're Sinful, I get. We all do. But we need to have an opinion of ourselves much higher because it's not about us. It's about Jesus. We are perfect and complete in Him, Paul told the Colossians. Now, did you notice, and you'll notice on the outline, every one of them is there. In every one of Paul's letters, he began saying, I want you to hear about the grace, peace, and in two or three cases, he added, the mercy of God. Why would Paul tell every single church, didn't leave it out, not one single time, or in the three personal, four personal letters, he said exactly the same thing, because he knows that we have a tendency to beat on ourselves spiritually. 
in a way that is not positive. And you want to keep the saved from being lost? We have to keep them from being faint-hearted in their assessment of themselves spiritually by talking about the grace, the mercy, and the peace of God constantly. Number three, uphold the weak. These are not the weak who can't stand up. These are spiritually weak. Paul said, you better uphold the weak. It is a possibility that any one of us at any time could be spiritually weak in a moment or for a period of time because of something we're going through. We get ourselves in situations and maybe we begin to question what it is we've always believed. We become spiritually weak. That's a point of attack for the devil. When we are down, he can run in and make some gains on us spiritually. So what can we do? to help keep the saved from being lost. Well, let's encourage fellowship. Acts 2, 44 to 46, he used words like together and common and fellowship. That early church understood the need to be together even more than we do because of all the things that they were facing that we don't have to face. But you know what? We better encourage fellowship togetherness, spending time together, especially coming out of the lockdown times. We need to get back. We need to start back into fellowshipping because that's the way we support those who are weak. Number four, be patient with all. He's obviously saying that there's a point of attack that the devil has, and that is to be impatient. To be impatient in our lives. To be in a situation where we just lose it. Paul is writing here and he says, it's possible as a Christian to become so impatient with God Impatient with yourself. Maybe impatient with the church, with the elders, with the preacher, with impatience. And he says, you better watch it. So what can we do to keep the saved from being lost through impatience? Well, we put them in places where they can learn to be patient. No better way to learn patience than doing service for other people. Practicing benevolence in behalf of other people. When Paul closed that meeting with his elders there in Acts chapter 20, he said, you need to support those who are sick and weak. And you need to be busy taking care of those who are in trouble. If we have a tendency to be impatient, then we need to learn patience. And the best way to do it, put yourself out there with people. Because you know what? People are going to give you more opportunities to learn patience than any other place in this world. 
and we can help. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone. I think the point of attack that Paul is talking about is a vengeful spirit. We can have a vengeful spirit. We can say, oh, I hope they get their due. I heard this happen and I hope they get their due. When I, the kinds of movies or programs, shows that I like to watch are where there's a definitive bad guy and definitive good people so that I can go, man, I hope he gets it. The whole movie. Come on, I hope they get him. I hope they get him. Because that's sort of how we are, right? But when that comes into the church, and we want to lash out in vengeance because we don't like something that the shepherds have decided. We don't like how a teacher treated a child or presented a class. And I want to get you. Well, the preacher seems to be so harsh, I hope he gets his comeuppance. Whatever it is. What do we do to fix that? We better remind this. Romans 12 and verse 19, Paul said, Be careful. Be angry. But watch. Don't give place to the devil in vengeance. You know, when we're wanting to get vengeance, when we want to get retribution, when we want to get some kind of payback on somebody, we've opened the door of the devil. And he just says, hey, I'm coming in. This is a potential problem in Thessalonica. It's a potential problem here. Next. Always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Pursue what is good. Who would not want to pursue what is good? Everybody. So what's he saying? If everybody wants to do it, then what's he saying? No, everybody doesn't want to do it. You know why? Because some people are lazy. Some people are lazy. We just get lazy, and we're just happy to be wherever we are, rolling with the tide, flowing back and forth. And he says, you better watch it. You need to pursue what is good. Laziness will get you in trouble. So what's good? Well, God tells us what's good. Get busy. 1 Peter 4 and verse 10 as you've been given a gift, minister it. The Lord gives the gifts to everybody. You minister it to others. But I like what happens in Acts 6. There was a problem there with feeding of the Grecian widows. What did the apostles do? Get some people busy. Put men over it. Get to work. If we will make sure that everybody has an opportunity... To be busy. And we encourage constantly doing something busily for the Lord, the chances of having the saved be lost go down immensely. 
I promise you this. If Phil has not talked to you yet about involvement, he will. (laughs) And everybody knows it. So get ready. The only choice you're going to have is to say, I don't want to be involved. You can't say, there's nothing for me. You can't say, I was never asked. You can't say, I never had an opportunity. You can say, no thank you. And when you do, the potential to be lost goes up. Let's try another one. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Well, who in the world does not rejoice? Everybody wants to rejoice, so who doesn't rejoice? Well, there are some people who are sad. There are some people who are angry. There are some people who have all kinds of difficulties in life. Paul is talking to some people who apparently had a problem. They had a problem that maybe they could be people who did not rejoice. Why? Maybe they were pessimistic. Maybe they just saw things in a negative light. And he's saying, if you don't want to lose your salvation, you can't run around just being pessimistic all of the time. What is... What can we do as a church to fix that situation? Well, why don't we recount all of the good things that God is doing on a regular basis? I enjoy it when I hear about things that are happening. I do. Now, I admit, when six different men get up and make announcements, you know, But I'll tell you this, I'd rather have six men make announcements about great things that are happening in this church than for announcements about things happening in this church never take place in order to save time to get out. We need to talk about the good things that are happening. And if we talk about the good things that are happening, we'll be able to rejoice And then the chances of being lost go down. Pray without ceasing. What's the problem behind that? I thought about it for a while. It's not just praying, the lack of prayer. That's not what it is. I think it's about the tendency toward independence. I can do it on my own. I don't need God. I don't even think about praying because I have all the opportunities and the resources and the strength and, and the knowledge I have. I don't even think about praying. And he says, you better pray without ceasing. Don't stop. Even when you think you have all the answers, don't stop. Keep praying because being independent from God is not a place that you want to be. You don't want to be in a place where you fail to think about praying. But when you pray, 
in every situation, let that be the immediate thing you do. When Paul closed that meeting with those elders, the Bible says he got down verse 36 in Acts 20 and they prayed together. It's not about the prayer as much as it is the attitude of dependence upon God that we are reminded about when we pray. We don't want to become independent from God. Because, boy, we're on the verge of being lost if we do. In everything, give thanks. People who are unappreciative, there's the danger. We teach little kids, don't we? From the very time they can start doing anything, somebody gives them a cookie. What do you say? We teach them from very, why? Because we want to raise kids who grow to be adults, who are appreciative. What is Paul saying? Everything give thanks. Sometimes you and I might be tempted. The devil's point of attack might be that I'm not as appreciative as I need to be. You know how I can rectify that? We pray a lot for this to happen and this to happen and this to happen and this to happen. How many times have we said, we prayed for this and this happened? We prayed for that and this happened. We did this and look here. Oh, we asked God, and we should, for all kinds of things. But do we really take time to think about how did he answer those specific requests? And we sit down and we start thinking about them, we'll become appreciative people. Do not quench the spirit. Here's what's going on in the background. Don't have a materialistic mindset. Don't quench the spirit. Don't be thinking about things material. Think about things spiritual. How do you do that? What do we do to keep the saved from being lost? You got to keep the Bible in their hands. Keep good teaching and good preaching. Keep those kinds of, we have to emphasize Bible study. I think one of the best things that grew out of COVID is our people are studying the Bible more than they ever have. I really believe that. I really do. Because we had so many options that we never took advantage of before that are opened up to us and now we're using them. I got to admit, I'm tired of Zooming. I don't even like the word anymore. But you know what? We have a great Zoom Bible study on Monday nights. And I'm really enjoying the Bible study. I can get over my dislike of the word Zoom have a good Bible study. That's how we keep the saved from being lost. Do not despise prophecies. We have to understand the word. This is not about foretelling the future. It's about forthtelling from God. This word means tell what God wants to be told. And when you do, don't despise it. He's talking about inattention, being inattentive. The point of attack that Satan has is if we are inattentive when the preaching and the teaching is taking place. 
It is very difficult for preachers to listen to preaching in public, in, in a, a live setting. It is, because we're so accustomed to being the, ta the talkers. So I have to make sure that I'm attentive, and I'm constantly writing and keeping up and trying to, and I'll go to the person afterwards and I'll say, that was a good lesson, because that's a five-sermon lesson. What? I got five good sermons out of that one. I can't wait. Sermon ideas that I can't wait to preach. Keeps me attentive. A lot of you take notes. That's good. A lot of you take the outlines and write on them and restudy them. That's good. A lot of you are doing all kinds of things. Let's make sure that we're staying attentive. If you're a Bible class teacher, don't just think, Oh, I'll just go teach a lesson. Not a big deal. Let's be creative. Let's think about how we can get that message to those people in the most acceptable way to God and the most pleasing way to them to say that there is no entertainment value at all in preaching and teaching is not true. It's just not true. We're not here for the purpose of entertaining. But I promise you, if preachers and teachers have a, a, an entertainment concept that is keeping people's attention. They're going to get it, and things are going to be better. Test all things, hold fast what is good. The point of attack is commitment, a lack of it. Not able to hold fast. Here's how we can start keeping the saved from being lost, and closing the door on the opportunity for Satan to attack. Let us never downplay the importance of assembling together. I call that the least common denominator. There's not a Christian alive who has the help who can't assemble and worship. Not one. That's where it begins. That's not where it ends, but that's where it begins. And if we can get people to commit to being assembled together, the more we can commit to assembling, we're teaching commitment. We're teaching commitment. Just out of curiosity... How many of you were raised in a home and you've been told, because you probably don't remember, that you were in church in the first month or two of your life? A whole bunch of you, right? And how many of you did that to your children? And how many of you have children doing it to their children? Uh-huh. It's okay, he can put his hand up. He's involved. Let him put his hand up. There you go. Attentive. See, that's what I'm talking about. Finally, abstain from every form of evil. We've got to keep worldliness out of the church. That's what he's talking about. We can't be like the world. We've got to make a separation. And we have to be willing to say, that's wrong, this is right. Stand for the truth. Oppose the error. Keep the world out. Because these 13 things will help us keep the saved from being lost. 
So what's the takeaway? One, we're the saved. Let's make sure we're not going to be lost. Let's strengthen ourselves. Two, let's keep the rest of us who are the saved from being lost by encouraging, uplifting, helping, being aware of, noticing. Let's continue to create a family of saved people helping each other to avoid being lost. One way we do that is to say, if you need us, let us know how we can help you. Let's stand and sing. Our shepherds will meet you. If we can help you in some way to find your connection with the Lord so that you, as a saved person, will not be lost, we're here to help. Let's sing together. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.